We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. It's interesting to me that David has been identified in the Scriptures as a man after God's own heart. David had his indiscretions in life. But when it was all said and done, he was a man after God's own heart. David's son Solomon would later write in the Proverbs, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. In chapter 23, verse 7, Solomon would say, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then in chapter 27, at verse 19, Solomon said, As in water, face reveals face. So the heart reveals the man. Many of us have stood at the side of a riverbank, a lake, or a pond, and seen our reflection. What Solomon is saying is that just as we can see our reflection in the water, the heart reveals the true essence of who we are. You remember what the Lord said about the new covenant that was to be established? God said, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart. The design of Scripture is to change or to transform our thinking, to adjust our thinking so that it might be in line with the Lord's thinking. Jesus talked a lot about the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You remember he said in Matthew chapter 12, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. But the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Which says to me that choices have to be made. We have to desire to have the kind of heart that would please the Lord. Having said that, look if you would at Matthew chapters 5 through 7 for a moment or two. It's my conviction that what is often called the Sermon on the Mount, the intent of that sermon as preached and taught by Jesus, the whole tenor of that sermon had to do with the heart. What the Lord was trying to do was to change the thinking of those who lived in His day, as is the case today. One of the things that the Lord no doubt had in mind in delivering this great lesson were the scribes and the Pharisees. You remember in Matthew chapter 23 when the Lord delivered a series of scathing denunciations directed specifically at these religious people. He said all their works they do to be seen by men. He would go on to say, outwardly they appear righteous before men, but inwardly they are full of hypocrisy and iniquity or lawlessness. 
In Matthew chapter 5 at verse 20, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying there? What was it the Lord said about David in the long ago? You remember? In sending Samuel to anoint him? I don't want you, I don't want you to look at his outward appearance. I don't judge a man based upon how he looks outwardly. But rather, my assessment comes from analyzing his heart. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about those who would engage in acts of benevolence. They would pray standing on the street corner. And then he would talk about those who would fast. But here's what he said in connection with that. Nothing wrong with being benevolent. Certainly nothing wrong with praying or fasting. But Jesus said, all these things they do, listen to him, to be seen by men. It's not just the outward man, but what Jesus is trying to do in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is transform the thinking, which transforms the heart. So what you have is a body of information designed to bring about a transformation which ultimately brings us to the confirmation. Because Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. When Jesus graved gave that great Sermon on the Mount. You remember the Beatitudes. The Lord Jesus began by talking about those who understand their spiritual poverty. And really what He's saying is, you can't enjoy spiritual prosperity until you understand something about your spiritual poverty. And so He would begin by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you've got to be humble enough to come to understand and to acknowledge that you need the Lord. Sin is the problem. The answer is Jesus. He would go on to say, in that same context, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn for what? For sin. To understand the devastating effects of sin and what sin does to the human family, what it has done to the human family. And individually speaking, what it has done to those who live on planet earth. That would include us, wouldn't it? But in that context, Jesus would say, Blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs, for they shall see God. Something about purity of heart. Now let me, let me illustrate it like this. In Matthew chapter 5, you remember Jesus would say, You have heard it said, You shall not commit, a mur you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause is in danger of the judgment. What's the Lord saying? Anger and murder go hand in hand. He said, you've heard that it's been said in days gone by. You're not to commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her 
has committed adultery with her already in his heart. What's the point? Lust and adultery go hand in hand. Jesus went on to talk about those who would swear falsely, engage in vows that they wouldn't honor. And the Lord said, I want you to be a person of your word. I want you to let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard that it's been said in days gone by that you are to love your neighbor, but you're to hate your enemies. But I say to you, you're to love your enemies. You're to do good to those who hate you. You're to pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you might be sons of your Father which is in heaven. Now let me just pause here for a minute. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is talking about the heart. And the Lord's saying that unless you transform your heart, something is amiss. In Matthew 6, when Jesus instructed those who were present on that occasion that they were to lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. You remember that? The conclusion was where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to take you back to the Old Testament again. Let's just talk for a moment or two about David. David, of course, became the greatest king in the history of the Israelite nation. Without question, David had his own faults and frailties. In no way would I ever try to gloss that over. He was human. He acknowledged his weaknesses and shortcomings time and again. But you remember in Psalm 139, David said, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. The word searched carries with it the idea of examine, to pierce through, to bore a hole. And the idea is what David is saying is, Lord, you have placed my life under a microscope. And because you have looked at my life inside out, you are very, very knowledgeable about me as a human being. He said, look, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You're acquainted with all my ways. He would say, there's not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. Again, just acknowledging the fact that God sees all and that God knows all. Is that true today? Yes. What is it the Lord is looking at today? He's looking at the heart, isn't He? In Psalm 139, down in verse 23, I want you to listen to what David said in the long ago. And let's just talk about it for a moment or two from our vantage point. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is anything wicked in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Here's my question. Would you be willing to invite the Lord this week 
to sit down and sift thoroughly through your life. Would you invite him to do a very close analysis of your life? How do you think that'd go? What would he say? Fair question, isn't it? If the Lord Jesus sat down with you, one-on-one, you're across the table from me, and Jesus said, I'm going to look at every single facet in your life, what would the conclusion be? You remember in Revelation chapter 2 when Jesus addressed the seven churches of Asia, and that would go on through chapter 3. The Lord said, I'm the one who searches the reins and the heart and give to every man according to his work. Now David acknowledged the fact, he said, Lord, look, you, you have searched me, you know me. You know everything about me. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step back and analyze me one more time. And I want you to look at my heart inside out. And if there is anything amiss in my life, I want it to be borne out. You willing to do that? Would you be willing to allow the Lord to look into your heart, your mind? What was it Jesus said? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon said, as he thinks in his heart, so is he past seven days. If the Lord were to just sift through the last few days of your thought process, what would He see? What kind of thoughts have been rumbling around in your mind over the last seven days? Good thoughts? Healthy thoughts? Thoughts that would be in harmony with the teaching of the Bible? What if the Lord Jesus Christ said to each and every one of us this morning, I mean, we're sitting across the table. Give me your phone. I want your phone. And after I go through your phone, I want to sit down at your computer and I want to go to every single place that you have been on your phone or computer. Would you be willing to let the Lord do that? What have you been looking at on your phone? What have you been looking at on your desk? Would you allow the Lord to look at your Facebook page, Instagram? Now, I'm not that literate when it comes to social media. And I've said before, I do not do Facebook. Had a friend of mine telling me to go to his Facebook page yesterday. I said, I don't do Facebook. Now, I know based upon what I've heard, You can block certain people from your Facebook page. I guess you can do it with Instagram too. I don't know. Let me tell you what. You might be able to block people from seeing what you write or what you put on your Facebook page, but you're not blocking God. God knows exactly where you've been. You understand what I'm saying? There is a trail. And God is seeing every single thing that you do. You want to post something on your Facebook page, but you don't want people to see what you're really doing? You really think you're fooling people? 
Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. You might be able to fool me, but you can't fool God. Did you know that? You can live a dual lifestyle. It happens every day. You can live and act one way, but the real you is not what we see on the outside. What about your entertainment? When you look at your phone or when you're looking at your computer screen, what are the things that you are feeding on daily? You ever heard the old saying, garbage in, garbage out? You feed on enough garbage, and I can tell you what, you'll think a lot of garbage. What about this? You been to any R-rated movies this week? Been to any movies that you know as a child of God you should not go and watch? Been there? That's a fair question, isn't it? When people see you walk into an R-rated movie, what do you think they think? You're a Christian. You think it's right for you to sit in the movie theater and to listen profanity-laced tirades time and again? You think it's right for you to sit in the movie theater and to see people undressing and engaging in sexual relations on screen? You think that's acceptable? You think the Lord's pleased with that? I mean, we laugh and say, well, you know, that's just the word. Let me tell you what. The problem in the church by and large, is the world has made its way into the church. You know what I'm talking about? Now, we can act like it's not true, but I'm here to tell you it is true. What was it Jesus said? By their works you shall know them. Pornography. Anybody here been to a pornographic site this week? You've been watching that filth? Don't tell me people in the church don't watch it. I know they do. I hear about it. Is that you? Are you feeding on that filth? You think that's going to help you have a pure heart? Let me tell you what. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you have an impure heart, what does that say? You're not going to be in His presence. You've been drinking this week? Drinking alcohol? You've been drunk this week? Smoking pot? Taking drugs? You think that's going to help you get to heaven? Think that's going to help you to become a more righteous person? You think that's what the Lord would want from you? You think that? I'm just asking questions. I don't have any personal knowledge of some of the things that I'm asking. I'm just asking some questions. You see, my job is to preach the Word. And my job is to preach it when people like it and when they don't like it. Now, I want people to like it, but when they don't like it, nothing I can do about it. I'm not here to comfort you in sin. If you're living in sin, my job is to afflict you, to push you to wake up. Because if your heart is not right in the eyes of God, you're not going to heaven. Let's just be 
Let's just be right up front. If your life is not what it ought to be, you won't go to heaven. So the questions that I've asked, what about your checkbook? Would you be willing to just open your checkbook open to the Lord to see what you've been buying, what you've been doing, how you've been spending your money? You say, it's my money. I can do with it whatever I want. That's true, you can. But that money belongs to the Lord. And you are but a steward of that money. Now, I don't know what you make a week. But let's just say that you make $1,000 a week and you drop $5 in the plate. You really think that's sacrificial giving? You really think the Lord is pleased with that type of giving on the first day of the week? You spend $300 on yourself and you throw $5 in the plate and you say, you know, is that how you think? Is that how you act? See, when Jesus talked in that monumental Sermon on the Mount, He was trying to strike at the heart. The scribes and the Pharisees, they had it down externally. When people looked at them, they would say, what a righteous, righteous person. I mean, these guys are walking with God. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said they are dead spiritually. Dead. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 23, He chided them as offspring of vipers or snakes. And He asked this question, How shall you escape the judgment of the hell of fire? Now you can play the part of a Christian all you want. I have no idea what goes on in your personal life 24-7. I don't have the ability to, to look into your heart and to see who you really are. All I see is what I visibly see with my eyes. I can see things that you do on a very limited basis but I don't know your heart like the Lord does. I can't size you up like the Lord can, but I can tell you what. He has sized each and every one of us up right now, today, this week. Up until this point in time, the Lord knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knows who you are. He knows you better than you know yourself. So that one-on-one -on -one meeting with Jesus, how's that going to go for you? Did you know that one day you're going to stand before God? And you remember what John said in the long ago? Every man will be judged according to his works by the things which are written in the books. Your life better be in harmony with this book or you're not going to make it to that place we call heaven. So what I'm asking you today, you claim to be a Christian. Is that a facade? Do you act one way but you do differently Monday through Saturday? See, I'm trying to root sin out of your life.
Because I understand that if you are living in sin, you are lost. I don't care how righteous you pretend to be. I don't care what you claim you are. Now, I said a minute ago that there is information that ought to bring about a transformation, and that is followed by a confirmation. How do I know that you are what you say you are? How does the world know that you are genuinely one of the Lord's followers? Here it is. By their works, you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. My job is not to judge. The Lord doesn't need me on His advisory committee. My job is not to sit in judgment of you, but my job is to preach the gospel. But in preaching the gospel, I can be a fruit inspector. And I can tell you right now, without any reservation, that if your heart is not right in the eyes of God, you are in serious, serious trouble. So I want to ask you right now, what's your heart like? What's your heart like? I'm looking at, I'm looking at you and I want to know what's your heart like? What about you? Those of you in this section, where do you stand face to face with the Lord? Don't think I'm neglecting these folks either. I'm not. No, I want to know where are you in your spiritual life? You right before God? Are you? What about you? In this section right here. Would you allow the Lord to search your life? Sift through every single thing in your life. You willing to allow Him to do that? Guess what? He's already done it. Already done it. God knows exactly where you are right now. Exactly. Now my question today, the heart of the matter, it's the heart. If your heart is not right in the sight of God, you have more trouble than you can bargain for. You just don't know it. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. I want you to know that Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That means you've got to believe Jesus is the Son of God. You're to repent of your sins. We must confess the name of Christ before others. And then we're to be buried with Christ in baptism so that our sins might be washed away, just like they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2. The Bible tells us the Lord will add us to the church. And then those who are in the church who are faithful, the promise is they'll be saved, Ephesians 5. It might be here that you're here right now, and you feel like you have been bludgeoned today. You know what I'm talking about. Because some of the things that I've been talking about are in your life. You know it. So here's my question to you. Are you willing to repent? Repentance is a change of mind followed by a change in actions. If somebody repents, then it ought to be evident in their life that I'm not living that way anymore. I've turned over a new leaf. I'm a different person. Now again, 
The Lord knows. He knows that when those who repent genuinely demonstrate that godly sorrow, He knows that. And then He knows when folks are just going through the motions. You know what I mean? In other words, okay, I'll repent, but I'll continue to do what I've been doing. That's not repentance. That's not repentance, biblically speaking. If you repent, that means whatever you were doing wrong, you cease doing that immediately. And if you don't, you'll be lost. You will lose your soul. I know folks don't like to hear about hell anymore. I really don't like to preach on it. But I know that if some people continue living as they are living, they will hit hell so hard they're going to knock the bottom out. That's frightening. So where are you? I hope and pray that when you look into your heart that you can truly say all is well. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love